Welcome to the Minnesotan Podcast. Today we have Minnesotan Bryn Chiswick, the general manager of the Waterloo Blackhawks with us today. Bryn has some great stories of his and his playing days back in Manitoba and at the University of North Dakota where he won a national championship in 2016. He lives in Apple Valley with his wife Sarah, makes his day job at Breakaway Academy with the athletes there. Should be a fun show. Hope you enjoy it. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire Well, Brent, how you doing today? Good, Tony. Thanks for having me. Good. Uh, well, it's great to finally meet you and actually talk. Uh, we've met two times at the Battle for the Blue Locks up in Moorhead, and as I was telling you, it's always a crazy weekend up there where we're running 30, 40 teams, and Bantam parents are some of the craziest at, at this at the youth level, and uh, you get two buildings. It's always a, it's a task. So if I was rude to you with those two intros, I, I apologize. No, there's a lot going on up there. Uh, I get uh, frust- a little flustered just watching, so I can't imagine <laughs> – uh, how you're feeling up there? Yeah, I got to make sure all the things work. Uh, but the last two oxes up there have been pretty darn entertaining. Uh, you get, you know, just steps away from a lot of different great action up there. Tell me, as the Waterloo scout, what are you looking for when you get up there uh, to Moorhead watching Bantams? Because usually you're you're going after 15, 16 year olds, 17 year olds uh, in your phase one and phase two drafts. Yeah, obviously up there we look at kind of a couple different birth years at a time and just just trying to see which kids kind of think the game at that next level. Um, obviously a lot of these kids still have a lot of growing left. Uh, physically. Physically and maturity-wise. Yeah. Um, so we're just kind of we go up there and kind of look for the brain and look at w- which guys think it well and kind of go from there. All right, so let's talk a little bit about you and kind of learn about who you are and before we get to some of the stuff about scouting and uh, assessing players, which is always a fun thing to do. I mean, because there's always so many different ways to look at a player and how they develop. And and you're, the USHL is just another piece to that uh, development path. Um, so where did you grow up? Tell me a little bit about uh, where you grew up, how many, how many siblings, that kind of stuff in your family. Yeah, so I grew up in Verdon, Manitoba. Where Can't, is that in relation yeah. to, like, Winnipeg? That's three hours west of Winnipeg. So is it west of Brandon, too? Yep, 45 minutes west of Brandon. So you're practically in Saskatchewan. Yep, right there. So the easiest way to describe it to the Americans is two hours north of Minot. Really? Yeah, so actually, growing up, Minot was usually my spring break destination. <laughs> yeah. No, it was... We have our first clip right yeah, there. All right. Yeah, yeah, we used to... Rip down in the minivan down to Minot and get to go to Shields and all the good stuff. So, yeah, that's that's Verdon, and it's a town of about 3,000 people, so real small town, and, yeah, that's where I grew up. Um, okay, how many siblings? I got one younger brother, Brady, okay. yep. So if he's younger, did your, how about mom and dad? What what, what are they about? They have, they How do they earn their living? Yeah, so my dad actually owns a plumbing company now, okay. and my mom is a music teacher. Actually just retired. Wow. Yeah. That's so, a big difference. Yeah, no, for sure. So early on growing up, my mom had me doing all the musical stuff and piano and 
probably kept me in choir a few too many years in my yeah. opinion but uh it was all good fun and yeah that's kind of their stick all right so did dad play hockey a little bit um but not like <laughs> no no nothing too too high end anyways at least i haven't heard any stories maybe he's hiding some but he was always really good at taking me to the outdoor rinks and stuff but didn't really have a big playing career himself all right um and then so what got you into hockey then uh I think just being in small town Canada, that's kind of what you do. Um, the outdoor rinks and, you know, all your buddies start playing, and it was just kind of what you did up there. I mean, there really wasn't any other options. So, How big is Verdon? How many? So 3,000 people. Um, How many stoplights? We got two. Tech, two? Well, one in the town, one on the highway. All right. So we got two. Um, but just a great place to grow up. and was so fortunate. I mean, being in a small town, you get to play – every single high school sport, which I think was so cool for me. I played high school basketball, volleyball. There's a badminton team. There's a golf I love team. badminton. There's a golf team. There's a, I was on the soccer team. I was on, like. How, what, what do you mean? How long are these seasons? Are they, like, can, six weeks or something? Well, you or? can play them all at the same time because, you know. the coach, Really? The coaches all work with each other to skip practice here, do this. Cause you, so, so not you, you weren't just a three-sport athlete. It sounds like you are like, a six-sport athlete. <laughs> yeah, I think i don't i don't know the exact count but that's what you do in a small town like that and i loved it and it was a great place to grow up uh all right so dad was a his own own plumbing company did he start out working for somebody like as an apprentice and then kind of work his way up he kind of i'm just trying to see what you saw from a work ethic perspective yeah so my dad didn't come from much growing up and he worked worked his tail off to kind of get where he's at now so he kind of jumped around a few jobs and kept kind of climbing the ladder and then now that's kind of his endeavor right now so he he did really well from stuff and it's really inspiring for me to kind of see him come from where he came from to provide me the opportunities i've kind of had in my life right so you got in hockey did your little brother play hockey too yep so how it's much a, younger is he so he's three years younger all right um he was probably a better youth hockey player than me well you told me you weren't even any good at all oh i was terrible <laughs> <laughs> absolutely terrible um Great youth hockey player. Now, actually, he's kind of in the music world, and he's a music teacher. Like oh, really? Just like yeah. mom? Yeah. yeah. All right. All so. right. Love it. All right. Um, okay. So let's walk through. I love your story about you basically played JV hockey. There was a varsity, right? Well, at yeah. In high school? It's different in Canada because everyone tries out for AAA teams. And in the small. But there are, can't be a ton of AAA teams around Verdon. Well, right? they do it regional. So basically, because it's all small towns in Manitoba, other than Winnipeg, really, and yeah. Brandon, they do like regional AAA teams. So Verdon, with 3,000 people, is the, was the biggest community in our AAA region. Um, really? So, so do they have a team? It's like, it's called the Southwest team. So right. it'd be like the Elite League teams of. Okay, got it. Like got a it. region. Um, yep. So there's probably. Not so a, do they have a U14, U16, U18? I or? think they do now. Back then it was only AAA midget, which was 15-year-olds, yeah. 16, and 17. Right. All three of those age groups. Um, so there still wasn't a ton of kids trying out for those teams. Um, but I, I grew late, and I was like five feet tall, and I was trying oh, out. Oh, really? And, yeah, so I basically played high school hockey, which down here would probably be the equivalent of JV for my 15-year and my 16-year. And then so I, we ninth and tenth grade, uh, yes. All right, so you yep. made the varsity or the top team, yeah. and when I was seventeen and uh, uh, junior. Let me stop you for a second here. So this fifteen year, sixteen year. At this point, do you have any idea how far do you live from Brandon? Forty five minutes. 
Okay, so you know what the weak kings are at this point, For sure. right? Yeah. And would was playing in the WHL a vision of yours? Oh, like it was my dream, but I was nowhere close. Okay. Actually, a funny story to jump into on that is we went to the 05 World Juniors in Grand Forks. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah, that. So that was a fun family trip we went on, <laughs> and I just fell in love with the Ralph and Grand Forks, and I remember thinking, I want to go to school here as a student. And, like, hockey was never even an option. It never even popped into anyone's brain. It was just I wanted to go there as a normal student because yeah. I was terrible. And right. never, and never, <laughs> never thought it would be a possibility. Like, none of these things were. Um, and then I kind of hit a late growth spurt and fooled a couple people. And <laughs> All right. So, so in 05, I don't have your – how old were you in 05? Would have been 13. 13. So you're 13 years old. Uh, it, but so maybe like the W might was that completely out of the picture as well? It wasn't even a well, thought, like, right? Yeah, I, I didn't really have a choice. Like I wasn't when the Bantam draft came around. I was. Were there neighbors? Were there for, were there buddies of yours who oh, made it for sure? Yeah, to the lots dub? of my buddies were drafted to the dub, and did all, any of them sign? Um. I don't think any of the guys kind of from Bird my age group signed. Okay. Um, but, it, yeah, it was kind of fun fun to kind of be a part of that. And I was a fan at that point. I was and that was, was that your team? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's the next closest uh, Western League team to Verdon? It would have been the Regina Pats. That's a ways, up. isn't it? Three hours the Three other hours? Way. Okay, yeah, but yeah. I know they got a team in Winnipeg now. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it was kind of the Brandon Wheat Kings. All right, so – you said you, when did you hit this growth spurt? You played two years of high school hockey. That's so that's a that's a level below tier one, correct? Yep. yep. So it wasn't the greatest hockey. It was decent. Uh it's I don't know. It it seemed fine at the time. Yeah. I, I don't think there's many guys that play after high school hockey up there, like even juniors. Okay. Um, but probably when I was sixteen, I had a kind of a growth spurt where I grew probably ten inches in a short amount of time, and that seemed to help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so then uh, what's the step? You played two years of high school. You graduated high school. So I had to play. I played that one year in that AAA program um, as kind of an older rookie. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and then I got – I wasn't drafted to the Manitoba Junior League, but I got listed eventually, like after the fact. Went up to Dauphin, Manitoba as an 18-year-old. Um, ended up having some success there, and then – I kind of had a really great year up there, and I won Rookie of the Year. Um, and I didn't really have a Division One offer, so I, I was kind of a hockey nerd. So I was looking up this United States Hockey League, and I'm like, Dad, I got to I gotta try one of these tryout camps. Like, I got to go there to get a scholarship. So found something on the website somehow to get to this camp, hopped on my first flight ever down to Minneapolis. Um, really? It was at Prior Lake Rank. I, it's funny going back there now. So I walked into Prior Lake and Prior Lake Rink and somehow <laughs> fooled them and made the team. But you really aren't fooling. I mean, I, I love your your humility here, but you really aren't fooling anybody. You are the MV rookie of the year in the MJ, which is a good league. Yeah, no, there's for a sure. lot of good players who are who like like you know, talk about Smith. Yep, played up no, there. I mean, the, buddies the, of yours, right? The Manitoba League is it's a good league, undervalued. Uh, yeah. I think it's just hard for people to get up there and watch. Hockey's quite good. It's just sometimes you're hitting a little bit. So right, okay. So did they know who you were, or were you just a 58? I was 58. 
<laughs> yep. And <laughs> right? in my job now, you know, we get a lot of questions of, is this camp worth it? Like, or do I have a chance? And I'm like, <laughs> I come to camp and <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if anyone's going to take a kid on an undrafted free agent, it's probably going to be me. <laughs> right there. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, okay, so I love that 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 take because there's a lot of people think of if I have to try out, then I'm not good enough. I'm not going to get top minutes anyway. Yeah, right? and we have, I'm sure kids in the States, you know, if our phase one draft, which was the 06s last year, think not getting drafted is the end of them. And it's like, no, no, no. no. Like, it's no. a long, it's a long road and people change and some guys get better. Some guys don't get any better and just lots happens and just to stay patient and keep working. All right. So, um, you get to this tryout. I, I got to hear, well, who is, who is the coach? Was it John Marks? Yeah. So the, at the original tryout, it was Jason Herter. Okay. And uh, like with Herter had invited me back to the next what camp. Time? Is this like in May? I would say maybe April. June. Okay, all right. June, all so right. then I had to come to the next camp. In Which Jul- was like their main camp, yeah, right? Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> Weeded out this, the, some of the guys. And then that was in Fargo. And by that time, Jason Herter had left for Duluth. Right. And John Marks had been named head coach, so he came in. Okay. Um, and John was a longtime UND coach, right? Yeah, yep. Like yep. old school. Yeah. Old was, school. was he your coach then? At, in uh, Fargo? Yeah. What was that like? It was great. He's a good man. Uh, he's definitely old school, which I appreciate. Um, and we kind of built a really strong relationship between me and him, and I'm sure he called North Dakota uh, to help me out a little bit to get there. Um, so I, I really enjoyed playing for Marksy, and, yeah, he's a good dude. Did you have only one year left, or did you have another year potentially for you? I had two years left, but I ended up leaving after one. One, okay, all right. Um, so when do you remember when you found out you made it to the to the main camp? Yeah, yeah, I was pumped, and my, we didn't really know what was going on. And How did you make it? There, there was a, the paper on the wall? Did no, they, they send they, you an email? They kind of had a group of people together in a meeting and kind of said, okay. this is the group, you know? And I was So you eight or ten, or how many did they take out of that Prior Lake thing? I'm not exactly sure on what that number was, but I still remember, a co- like, yeah, it was, <laughs> I don't really recall ten, was how many. Was it ten or was it twenty? I think it was probably like there was still some vets and some draft picks at that camp. Oh, like okay. it wasn't it wasn't like a free agent complete Oh okay. Camp. Like there was some other guys there. So I how think, did you get into this camp? Did you kinda have to say I was rookie of the year and the well, MJ? I'm not sure if there was like a sign up or maybe some somebody helped get me in Got somehow, it. but yeah, it worked. It's kinda cool. <laughs> it worked out. So then you went to their camp and then made the team. Did you at this point when you went to their main camp, you're thinking, hey, if I don't make this, i got to go back to the MJ? Yeah, and that was fine. And, like, I still right. enjoyed things there, but I knew kind of this would help me get – I didn't have any Division One schools looking at me, so I knew it would hopefully at least get me some sort of scholarship. And I know how it works now. You you work these camps, and D1 guys come to it. Where, do you think any D1 guys were in Prior Lake? Uh if they were, they didn't call me at the time. So. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, but maybe even at the one in Fargo that you went to, possibly. Yeah, I really still didn't have any schools until about November, kind of uh, reaching out to me anyways. Um, Is that a thing? Uh, you make a USHL roster, you guys, you and maybe kind of weeding out the best players, and now you got a kid who's on a roster without a logo next to their name. They get snapped up pretty quick, don't you think? Yeah, and that's from – 
college guys work so hard and they come to our camps and you know they they're ahead of it and they see who who's doing well at our camps and they're already invested into it so usually throughout those camps the best players get snapped up pretty quick yeah now, nowadays it was a little different back then it took a little longer just with the old recruiting but nowadays right. it, it happens pretty quick yeah for sure and we'll get to the recruiting in a minute i i, I love the new rules it it streamline i think it streamlines everything for sure uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about how you guys fit into that whole recruiting process yeah. and developmental process. Um, so we get to you get to UND um, freshman year. Talk about the recruiting process. Were, were they the only school who offered you by, by November, or were, were there teams flooding in? Yeah, it kind of started slowly. I remember. I think it was Walt Kyle at Northern Michigan it was kind of the first. I think Remember I'll, when I talked about all these people yeah, I've gotten to yeah. know? There's another one right there. I think Walt was the first one to offer me in Northern Michigan. And I was pumped, and I was probably ready to go there. But then they just kind of kept com- slowly coming in and coming in. And I think I had a whole bunch of visits scheduled. And then North Dakota kind of finally came in at the end. And I said, where, where do I sign? You know, like that was my dream. Oh, who is recruiting you? What was it Dane? Carrie Eads. Carrie Eads. And, and Dane Jackson, yep. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so now now obviously carries the GM in Fargo, which is kind of small world, but um yeah, it was a dream come true. Okay. Um like you said you probably said yes right away. Um when you got to campus, what was from an uh academic perspective, what were you thinking academically? What what did you want to get into there and did it change at all throughout the four years there? Yeah, I when the I The reason I ask yeah. is cuz I know you yeah. ended up going to law school. So I want to know how does a law school guy start his academics yeah so i was i started in accounting actually because i was always like a math brain and kind of always thought i'd probably be an accountant and i think in the middle of a hockey season when we were grinding on the road or something and i had all this accounting work to do i kind of said ah i can't i can't do accounting so right i just switched into business management and just got my major in that I think that was my sophomore year. I switched into just business management. Okay. So that was my undergraduate degree. And we were talking before, and you said in your four years, you could have possibly made it to four frozen fours were just off by a loss. I think that was the Yale, correct? Yeah. Obviously, a lot of people can say could have, should have. But um, my freshman year, we lost to Yale um, to go to the Frozen Four. They ended up winning it, but we uh, we felt like that was a winnable game, so it was frustrating, especially at the time. We had a good team. And then the next year, you're playing, uh, you play ended up playing Boston University with Jack Eichel, right? No, the next year, was we were point in, six. yeah, the next year, we were in Philadelphia uh, for the point six game against the Gophers, so that was heartbreaking. At any point during that game or, or during that sequence when, when they scored, did you think that's not a goal? Or did you have, did, did your gut say, I always wanted to ask a UND person that. Did you think that that was a goal or not a goal? I think me personally, I knew it was going to count, but I was still kind of hanging, hanging on to the chance that somehow, some way it wasn't. But I think deep down we knew it was going to be called a goal. Watching the Gophers get dismantled by Union two days later, the next day, whatever, did it feel good? Or did you like, wow, that I'm not sure we could have done much better? Or do you think you could have beaten Union? I was in a movie theater with my phone off during that game. <laughs> yep. I love I, it. I did, I did celebrate a little bit when I turned my phone back on, but I we I couldn't watch that one. It's hard. Yeah. That'd be hard. Yeah. That'd be hard. Yep. Um, did you guys come home? 
Yeah, we came home. I think I'm the always next fascinated day. by that. Yeah, they, I think we, they just leave the next day. Yeah. Did you have anyone up for Hobie? No, not that year. No. So I think I'm not sure if we flew out after the game or we stayed and then flew out the next morning, but we were out of there pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm always fascinated by that. You yeah. lose and you're gone. You know. Yeah, because then the next year in Boston when we lost to Eichel's team. Um, Zane McIntyre was up for the Hobie, so we stayed for that presentation, right? And then left. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah it, it was weird. The uh, this year in Boston, uh, Ben Myers was up, but there was no Gophers there. Really? Yeah, because <laughs> they had lost the night before. Yeah, we stuck around. I'm sure we were pouting in the stands or something during that ceremony, but we stuck around for Zane. For yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, um, so then the final year. Um, you go to Tampa, and I, I, we'll, we'll do. It's way better to ask the red carpet question of the year you won, uh, versus the years you didn't win, uh, especially because you get two walks on the carpet. Uh, there's a for those that don't know, there's a red carpet that the players get dropped off their bus and they walk into the stadium, or the or the arena with your fan base. And your fan base was there's some legendary stories, legendary moments in 2016. Uh, with the UND fans, what UND fans did to North Dakota. I mean, did, did did to Tampa. What was that red carpet like? Was there a different red carpet, or was it just the same no matter where you were in uh, yeah. those three visits? Well, I think with the North Dakota fans, no matter where you are, they're going to make it special and show up. And I think all of our red carpets, they were it was cool. crazy. It was cool. Like, it was the, – the boys were always pumped, pumped for that just to see, you know, the band playing and all the green just – overwhelming the building so that was a cool experience it was definitely cool getting to the saturday night red carpet as opposed to the usual thursday one so right right yeah. right right um and then it's it's it felt like and i was there in boston from more of an observer perspective versus a fan perspective and it felt like um i'll give you last year's example it felt like mankato when they won a beat the gophers on thursday I feel like the whole city of Mankato found their way to Boston. I'm sure yeah. it got even more and more crazy once they're hey, we're going to go to Tampa and watch yeah. the Sioux win the national championship. Did you feel it too? Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, it was crazy, especially after we won on Saturday night, just seeing all the people celebrating and kind of getting to celebrate with them. Yeah, I was going to say, ways, you know? what, what are the protocols for the players and the fans – I mean, where do they shuttle? They obviously you go and celebrate in the locker room. Uh, you probably see your family, spend some time with your family as well, right? Do, you, do your parents come down and? Yep. They probably they, made it to all of them. I'm yeah, sure, right? there's a lot of people that came to all the Frozen Fours and obviously booked their flights out on Sunday every time. So that sucked the first two. Yeah. Um, but the last one it was pretty memorable. You, we kind of all, once we left the rink, got to see our family a little bit, and then. Ended up taking the trophy to a spot where there was a ton of North Dakota people there, and it was honestly, I, I kind of looked across at the room and see all the North Dakota fans kind of cheering. It's like ah, it's gonna be hard to top this one. Yeah, like, you know, it was just one of those cool moments. So something I'll remember forever. Yeah, that is pretty cool. So after uh, that season, you went on to play pro for how many seasons? One or two? Yeah, just one. One. So okay. I signed an American League deal with Rockford. Um, got to go to the Chicago main camp, which was a cool experience. Um, only played two games in the AHL and then got sent down. Who was the coach? In Rockford. Rockford. Ted Dent was the coach. Okay. Yeah, and then got sent down to the East Coast League. 
Um, and I've always, <laughs> the funny thing is I've always kind of been a scout when I was playing. Yeah. Um, and I think one of my negatives was I always evaluated myself. And I kind of at that point, you know, watching myself as a player, it's like, yeah, you're not an NHL player. Um, might as well stop and do something else. I had a couple concussions at that point, and I don't know. I probably could have grinded to maybe get to the American League full-time, but at that point I kind of was ready to move on and find something else. Um, you talked about being a scout. I felt like I was th- the same. You know, I was always evaluating myself and players probably too much, yep. right? For sure. Um, talk about that at the college level, did you, did you feel like you were watching film of other teams and evaluating the other teams more than say your buddies on the, on the team? Yeah, I think my teammates at North Dakota would probably give me some crap about that because I'd have my spreadsheets going of mock drafts and who's good on each team. And I think that probably hurt me as a player because I knew everyone so well and I knew who was good and when I was coming down on him right um but I was definitely uh yeah you knew him too well yeah I was a I was a full-time nerd hockey nerd uh when I was playing as far as knowing the league and knowing other guys right who were when you in your four years or who was some of the toughest opponents like in your conference that you played against you just hated playing against your your coaching staff hated playing against like who are some of those guys and they don't have to be NHLers I actually like the ones that just were great college players yeah, well, I know we were talking earlier. I remember Hayden played against Adam Cross from Duluth. Really? Uh, oh, yeah, I really hated playing him. And now, obviously, with our two jobs now, I have a really good relationship with him, and he's an unbelievable guy. Yeah. Um, but back in the day, he used to drive me nuts. Um, so it's kind of funny now that we're kind of have a good relationship together. Yeah, okay. That's a good one. Um, any other guys? Uh, Jake Gensel. Jake Gensel always used to bug me, too. Really? Yeah, yeah well, Partly because he was really good. Yeah. Um, but he just kind of, you know, he was a little prickly out there and he threw a couple chirps. So we always used to get in a couple battles too. That's a good topic. And I'd love to get your take on it. You've been around the game a lot. You got all these coaches. It's like there's this coach kid uh, carousel. You know what I'm talking about, yeah. right? You got sure. Gensel's at Omaha, right? Mm-hmm. You got, like, now you have Ryan Sandlin, who's at Mankato, and by the way, has never lost to his dad. That's a great story in itself. Um, what do you think of that when you get these kids that have one thing you, you go, oh, he only made Mankato because his dad's the coach at, at Minnesota Duluth, right? And then they flourish, right? Jake Gensel flourished. A lot of these coaches' kids flourish, and then usually it's not when they're at their dad's university. What did you, what is your take on that? What, what do you observe out of that? Yeah. I think once you get to the college level, like college coaches aren't doing favors for anyone taking a player. Like, you know, it's so hard to win in college. So like if they're recruiting you, like, you know, you've earned it. Like you're, you're put yourself in that position. So I don't think anything with that. And I think, I think, you know, in my scouting and evaluating, usually you can tell coaches, kids got pretty good details right? Um, they check a lot of the boxes, which is the little things in the game. Um, so I think there can be a strong appreciation for kind of some of those little things coaches' kids do. Yeah, I, I had that happen to me. The My son's high school coach said, I, and, they, and he had a kid that was the same age. He was, I never knew this about your son until I coached him. Yeah. And, and I know, and he said to me, he goes, it's a compliment to you. It's because 
I can tell he's been in a rink for a long time watching a lot of right. games. Yep. That's the kind of thing. I'm like, for sure. It wasn't anything that I did as a father or as a coach. It was just the osmosis of seeing so many things. And and the thing that he did well, my son, this is my son's podcast, was he was always really good at getting that puck to the red line and getting it in. Like, yeah. If you don't, right. he'd probably heard me scream, if the kid would have just taken one more step, you know, yeah. he probably that by osmosis he had learned those, like you said, those little things. Yep. To make a team successful. For sure. All right. So um, what's the next step for you then after that AHL, ECHL season? What, where, where were you going next? Yeah, well, I think I'm sure everyone who kind of plays hockey at that level, it's it's hard to find what's next. And I think it's scary in a lot of ways, right? It's scary. Like, what are you going to do? Hockey's kind of been your thing for a while here. So I've always kind of was always my dream to, you know, work in the NHL on the management side, like even all the way up, but never dreamed of playing in the NHL, really. I always dreamed of working in the NHL. Right. Um, and I didn't really know what to do with myself. So I kind of thought that going to law school would provide some value in kind of pursuing that path. Um, so I applied to the University of North Dakota, of course, yep. School of Law, somehow got accepted. And that was kind of the next uh, step in the journey. What were your parents thinking when you told them that? Yeah, that's that's a great question. They're like, well, do you want to be a lawyer? And I was like, well, not really. And they're like, well, why are you going to law school? And I'm like, well, it's got to be good. It's got to be helpful at least down the road at some point, I would think. So, right, not, big time. Yeah, if you're in And if worse came to worse, go take the bar. Yeah, for sure. So right? I think they it thought. It gives you options, I think. I think they thought I was a little crazy at the time. Um, but they're they're supportive always, so. So, and, and I think if I read correctly, you also were some type of volunteer, grad assistant type of coach or yeah. ops guy at UND too? Yeah, so like the first year of law school is kind of crazy busy and you got to do a ton of work. Um, so my last year of law school, uh, Coach Barry invited me to be the grad coach for the team, which was a great another great experience for me and learning from being in the back room with those guys. And that was the COVID year when everything shut down, so we had a really good team. Um, Kawaguchi, Pinto, um, trying to think of some other guys. Yeah, well, like, I, we like we were. I think we were number one when it shut down. So you did you go to the to the what do they call it the pod down in Omaha? No, that oh, so the, the, the year, year before. before that. Yeah, year before. I think it was. So we actually we had CC. Was that the same year as the the four overtime? No, so this was the year that the tournament never happened. I know, but wasn't that the four overtime year? No, with the UMD. We, no, because we never got or was that to that the year point. after. We were getting in the NCHC playoffs when it was that Thursday and oh yeah, March thir- March thirteenth. Yeah, when everything. So shut when down. was the four overtime? Was that the following year? That was the following. Year. Okay, sorry. All yeah, right, sorry. yeah, yeah. So that was which was hard. also the pod year. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. No. Yeah. Sorry. So Get those. I mean, I had COVID, so I'm I'm yeah. confused. Sorry. COVID right. will throw you for a loop. right. Right. But that was, uh, you know, and I kind of tried to check a lot of the boxes that it takes to work in the NHL one day and kind of being around a coaching staff and seeing what goes into the day-to-day operations kind of from behind the curtain, I guess, at North Dakota was extremely valuable just to see how decisions happen and systems and structures. So that was extremely beneficial for me. Right. All right. So how many seasons of – how many – three years for law school, right? Yep. And then how many seasons were you – uh, the coach, a coach, grad coach, just one, just, oh, just, just my one last season, yeah, just my last year of. Uh, so you were grinding the other two years. Yeah, 
right. Yep. All right. All right. All right. Got it. So then the last year, it, it kind of sl- gets a little easier, and I had a little bit more free time, so it worked out well. Uh, all right. So when did you meet your wife? I met my wife in 2015. Um, when Fall was, uh, or spring? Oh, 2014. Uh, hang on. I should know this, shouldn't I? Yeah, yeah. Uh, t- <laughs> 2015 in the spring. All right. So this is. No, 2014 in the fall. Okay. Wow. Yeah, wow. This go. is this yeah, isn't good. That's not good. Not good. Uh, okay. So she was dating a hockey player. Yeah. So my point is you did, she didn't meet you as a non-hockey player. No. Um, no, she signed up for a hockey player. Now she's learned to deal with me, not a hockey player. Yeah, yeah. yeah so she's seen the yeah. the cre- she saw you crest, <laughs> yeah. and now she's seen you down back to back yep. to earth. She didn't leave me when I retired. So right, that was good. right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, and then what does she do for a living? Uh, she's a pediatric physical therapist. Okay, uh, so she works. You in- nailed it way better here on the air, by yeah. the way, than when I asked uh, you I before. Was, I was. Screw it up a little bit. It sounded a little yeah. bit like your year. You know, you're struggling, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then what is that? Uh, where, where does she work? She work in a uh, hospital, a clinic, who, you know, that type she of stuff. She works in a clinic out in Woodbury. Okay. Kind of works with, she, she really enjoys working with kids and trying to help them, you know, whatever their issue is physically. And she's great at it. So I know it's her, it's kind of her passion too. So she's, she's not really working either. So you guys are doing yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I bet both the parents are pretty proud that they got this guy that they're, they're, you know, not making huge money, but they're doing what they love to do, and th- things are going to take care of themselves. Absolutely, definitely, that's the case here. Yeah. All right. So, um, let's go to uh, getting into scouting. Did you then become the director of scouting for? Yeah. So this is going to be good. This yeah, is Roll up your sleeves. So by the way, you hit the magic thirty minute already. Oh wow! Jeez, <laughs> thirty five was the goal, right? That's right. That's um, right. So then, you know, you graduate law school, and then it's kind of another, like, now what? Um, right. So I knew I kind of wanted to get into scouting and start working on that. So I reached out to Shane Fukushima, who was the GM in Waterloo at the time. How would you know Shane? I mean, I think just through the North Dakota and some of the guys that he had sent there, I'd slowly built a relationship with him. And I think maybe the coaches at North Dakota maybe helped me connect with him. And, right. And he was awesome. He kind of said, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want to get out of this? And he brought me on board, and so that next that next year, I was he kind of named me director of scouting, and I worked hand in hand with him in the drafts, and we really ba- built a really great relationship, and I learned a lot from him. He's got an unbelievable eye for talent; it's remarkable, actually. Uh, so just just learning some of the things he's looking for, and it was yeah, I really owe him a lot, actually. Oh, you said that earlier. We you were talking about that. What makes an unbelievable eye for talent? I mean, I think everyone kind of wants in the business wants that but give me some descriptions as what what told you that he had a great eye for talent i think the ability to see something you know three years before it happens um, yeah like it's, it's easy. almost like a crystal ball right yeah like uh, i think if anyone who watches a decent amount of hockey could go to the game and find me, the best player find the best first line center but kind of that you know third line winger who hasn't grown yet who's raw who's gangly who looks awkward at times like the ability to find talent that deep um i think is remarkable and i'm hoping i'm getting better at it um but it was it was definitely a trade of shane's all right um so he hires you but i know that he and pk were together for a long how many years were they like one and two yeah i mean was it 10 years maybe or more i want to say more i do too Um, yeah it was it was a lot wow okay so those guys, 
leave. Uh, Shane gets a job in Philly. Yep. PK kind of steps aside a little bit. And in come the Young Bucks. You got you and Matt. Did you hire Matt? Or were you – how did the Matt and, yeah. and Bryn thing formulate in, in – Waterloo. Yeah, so they had kind of asked me about Matt through their hiring process. You were an employee at that time. Yeah. Right, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, me and Matt kind of work hand in hand now, but I had kind of said, yeah, he, I think he'd be unbelievable. Um, and sure enough, as the owner and PK kind of went through the process, they ended up with him. And then sure enough, I was kind of, I think it was a couple of weeks later, they kind of appointed me the GM. So we're, I really enjoy working with Smaby. I think he's a remarkable coach and it's been a it's been a good tandem so far. What's I mean I know Matt on a personal level less of as a coach level. What does Matt bring to the table? Is he a and I know his dad really well. Um, is he a old school? Is he a players coach? Is he a uh, systems coach? If you had like to describe like, one thing that would describe Matt as a coach, what would that look like? Yeah, I think he's an extremely detailed person. Um, like extremely like it reminds me a lot of Dave Hackstall. Um, and his attention to detail, whether it's systems, whether it's just little things around the rink, whether it's communicating with a guy, he's very detailed. And I think he's a little bit more on the new school side with his communication with our players. Um, you know, there's an open door and he builds a relationship where he can coach them. Um, so I think I think he's kind of a healthy balance of, you know, some of that detailed structure um, with also, the, also that new, new school uh, communication aspect. Right, right. Um so how do you guys, as, as GM coach, work together? Is he involved in the scouting and evaluating of players, or is he just uh, focused on the, on the team once September 1st hits? Yeah, I think most of his focus is directed with our current group. And, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, right? So right. most of his focus is on that current group. And if there is an opinion or maybe it's a guy we're heavily recruiting, I'll say, hey, here's five games. Can you watch this? And I'd like your opinion on him, and, you know, because, like, at the end of the day, he's going to coach him, right? So we kind of have to be on the same page with it. I think, I think we kind of have an appropriate balance of stepping in and asking someone for their opinion and kind of working together um, in certain ways. But we definitely, while I kind of work with the draft and finding players, he sticks with the team and, Kind of runs things, boots on the ground. I gotta. This is a the, the one of those I've always wanted to ask questions. How do you manage the number of players in your organization? Because I can't figure it out, and I and I think I need a a manual. Somebody needs to train me on this because you have affiliate players, you have drafted players, you have you know listed players, and then you have obviously the the 23 list, and then there's the 30 list, there's the main camps. How do you keep all of that straight in your brain or on a computer, or how do you manage? That's, to me, it seems very tricky to manage. Yeah, I think that's a little bit how my brain operates. Um, you know, I I was using Microsoft, I was using Excel spreadsheets when I was like ten, kind of playing around with NHL rosters and moving guys up and down and doing. So you're doing this already. Like, I was a hockey nerd, you know. So yeah. like, I think that part comes kind of natural, I guess, to me, which is kind of weird and nerdy to say, but just the rules. And I think law school actually did add a lot of value when it comes to that and kind of analyzing a rule book and seeing hey can I move this guy to the affiliate list here and kind of find creative ways to read rules so um, I enjoy that side of it I know some people probably get stressed about it but I kind of find that stuff fun and 
trying to navigate all the different rules our league has. Especially this time of year now, once you hit November 1st, it seems like the cement dries a little bit, right? But in September and October, when you have the Fall Classic and you have the NA Showcase, there's a so, it's like asteroids. Like there's kids coming and going. And it almost feels bad when you let a kid go out of your system um, after like a, you know three weeks or six weeks, it's got to be very difficult because you spent a, you've invested a lot of time in these guys. Um, tell me about that first two months. Is it? Is it? It looks to me. It looks difficult. It feels like yeah. it's difficult. It's it's extremely difficult. And I think one of the toughest things is that we played six games in our first four weeks. Right. Um, and when you have a roster of twenty five and you stay healthy, you know some kids aren't getting a chance to get in, and that's. That's not great for them. That's not great for anyone, right? Um, so sticking with those kids and trying to tell them, you know, be patient because come January, February, we're going to have five injuries and you might be on the power play. You know what I mean? Yeah. But those that first start of the season is real difficult in trying to get everyone in and especially when you're healthy and there's so few games, right, and managing all that. So It's a long amount of – that's a great amount of time. Yes, for yeah. not many games. Yeah. Um, and everyone needs to play. So it's tough, and I think we're slowly getting through that stretch right now where we're getting into the two-game weekends and consistency and kind of getting rolling that way. But, yeah, the first first six weeks in the USHL is difficult. And then you have um, the factor of these kids that are affiliate players, right? Um, Do you ever get frustrated, um, and I'm going to call a name here, I don't usually like to do this, but when you get a kid um, like a Teddy Townsend, who's your property in the USHL, but then he goes to play for the NTDP in a college game or any game, what is what is the understanding, what's the relationship between the National Development Program and the other 14 teams in the league? Yeah, so the NTDP actually reaches out and asks you kind of, hey, would you be all right with this? And I think why would we not be? It's a great opportunity for one of our prospects, right? So right. we're all about it. So I was pumped to see kind of Teddy get in against St. Thomas. Uh, I thought that was really cool. And, and they, like they, like you said, they called and asked, and I said, yeah, of course. Right. And they, they, is that part of the – that's part of the provisions that they kind of get permission like that? It's actually a good question. I'm not sure if that's actually <laughs> You're the rule guy. I know. Uh, I didn't have to look it up because I wanted him to do it. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to hold him back. So um, I I'm going to have to look that up after we get off now. All right. All right. Good, good. All right. I, I stumped you. I yeah, love it. Um, okay. So walk through the, the process. What What is uh, in a calendar? I know I don't want to go through every day in the calendar, but in a, in a typical calendar for you, is are you spending more time scouting um, future players uh, are you scouting uh, other teams for potential trades? Uh, probably, I think we're going to get all of the above here, but what it, what it goes in the, in the day in the life for, for you every day? Yeah, so I think throughout the kind of first bit of the year here, I'm really focused on learning our league, learning some of the new guys in our league, and making sure I have a book kind of a knowledge on guys if trades pop up, whatever else, and kind of the other thing early in the year is I try and learn Minnesota kind of my backyard try and get that kind of taken care of so then in the second half of the year I can spend more time kind of flying to different regions to see that group of players so I think early on I try and build you know knowledge of the USHL guys and that kind of check that box right so that when things pop up as the year progresses you know you have a little bit of place to start at 
And now with some of these apps we have, like, I'm not sure if you've heard of Instat. Yep. Instat. So, you know, that app saves me a ton of time because if I want to, if a trade offer pops up or whatever, I can go click on a player and watch all his shifts from his last 10 games in an hour. You know right. what I mean? Like it's a remarkable, it's remarkable for us and it, and it helps a ton. Okay. Um, this is a question I, I warned you about before. It's the, it's the, how do you negotiate leagues? Um, you get kids, like, like I'll go watch, for me, I'm just going from my eyeball, I'll go watch a U16 game in Chicago or at the NAPHL or wherever. You watch at the Blade Showcase, you watch U16 kits, and they're, they're 06s and maybe some 07s. And then you go watch the same kids play high school hockey in what would you consider a U18 leave, and they're good, but they're not great they're decent but they're not lighting it up when they got a, a late 04 in a, in a league and then i start how do you evaluate these kids you know do you want to evaluate them when they're playing against their age group you want to evaluate them when they're playing older and then you have tier one and you have class a minnesota like a east yep. grand fork world game is a great hockey game for sure right yep. uh but if you've watched uh another lower couple lower leveled class a teams you're like this is not as good as u16 tier one like how do you mentally gauge these levels is there a secret to the sauce no i think if I there th is yeah it would be like instat people yeah, would buy it right i think it's extremely difficult because you can have you know, even kids, if you look even at Shattuck, right, you'll have sometimes uh, youngest birth year on the prep team, and maybe they're not dominant at that level, but they're playing at such a high level. Then you got the leading score on the U15 team, right? And Same age. And comparing those two is, can be difficult. I think, yes. and, I ha and I have a fairly small body of work in doing this, but I think if you look at previous years, comparing guys, for example, maybe uh, – a war road kid versus another war road kid that came and comparing how he was at that level two years ago and where he's at now and kind of using that barometer yeah. Yeah. Is, is probably the easiest way to do it. But then still sorting that back against a U15 kid, um, that's it's it's hard the, to juggle. The, the classic example, like you, you, I'm glad you brought up war. Like it's impossible for me to compare uh, Grant Slukinski. And Jason Shagabe. Two different players. Totally different players. Yeah. I know they're from the same town, yeah. and, they, and they've both progressed. Maybe Jason a little bit faster than Grant, but not much, yeah. right? But So it's really difficult for me to – for me, it's when yeah. I eyeball players, and I'm like, ah, I get so excited. I go watch U16. I remember in the early recruiting years back in, like, when you were in school and college, when they were recruiting eighth graders and ninth graders, U16 was all the rage. I mean, there yeah. were a lot of these U16 kids getting committed, and then they would be turn 19, like three years later, and they weren't any good anymore. Yep. You know, it's so hard for this to gauge, you know. Um, so there, your, your answer is there is no exact science to uh, gauging these players. Um but you're not an NCAA coach where you can watch them more more than seven times. Oh, for sure. Yep. We can if there's a guy that we're high on, we'll go back and watch and watch and watch to make sure we're hundred percent confident in kind of a pick. So definitely as the year goes on, you got guys that you're getting to that ten viewing kind of mark. Um so you're really feeling confident. Is that your so. number? Ten? No, that's I just threw that out. There. Okay, all right. I was like, well, okay. It doesn't need to be ten. You said something earlier, and and you can retract the statement if you want to. You said the word you were talking about, Matt. And you said the word recruiting. There's a guy recruiting. Do you felt like you're recruiting players to come and play for you? Yeah, the only time, 
Yeah, I think there is some recruiting. Um, and, the, like, the one process that sticks out is the tender process. So ah. we, we signed a tender kid from Western Canada last year, and, you know, he's got options in the Western Hockey League. He's got options in the BCHL, the AJHL. So you are and, recruiting. And in a situation like that, we have to sell him on why our organization is the best for his development kind of thing. And I think other situations it will pop up, I mean, if – we draft kids from the BCHL or from the North American League and sell and selling it to them that, you know, taking this step to our league is right for their path and helping them get to college. So there is not as much recruiting as a Division One program, um, but there is different ways you kind of have to recruit your team. Um, when you're recruiting players, we use that word. I like that word. When you're recruiting players, do you, do you kind of? It's a little bit like. Uh, Division One program, we're like, hey, we really need a left-handed shot defenseman right now, and we because we have seven righties in the system. We, you know what I mean? Do you feel like you're eyeballing players that in that type of way yeah, too? That I don't usually kind of think of a team that way. I guess me personally, like, yeah, I I think I want the best eight D, and if they're all left-handed, left-handed shots, yeah, it's yeah, great. And I think obviously there's different roles on a team and you sometimes have to look for it, but I, I try and just take the best player, <laughs> you know what I mean? And figure it out from there. I mean, um, I look at our group this year and, and we're deep and we have a lot of talented forwards and I don't have them kind of in slots, right? They're kind of, these are the guys I want on our team and wherever they fit in a lineup on a daily basis is kind of up to them and the coach. Uh, you talked about tendering. This goes into all the rules, right? Yeah. Remember I talked about the affiliates and all the things, the, the, the number of men on, you can hold on a roster. Um, walk through the process. You guys seem to be a, uh, a draft team and not a tender team. And some teams are just, they hammer their two tenders. Every year in that phase one, it's just like automatic. What is your philosophy on the tendering and going out and getting a, a doing a t- tender versus a um, just dra- waiting till the draft? Yeah, I think obviously there's an advantage to tendering because you get a get the player you have at the top of your board, right? You don't have to wait and play it out in the draft. But I think if you force a tender without kind of seeing a plan of how you're going to use that 16-year-old year, you can't just tender to tender. You actually have to see them being able to play in the league in, in a role that following year. Um, so I, I think I am pro-tender guy. Yeah. Uh, but you have to, like, there has to be kind of a plan moving forward. You can't just say, hey, we need to go get our guy no matter what. Um, you kind of have to lay out the development path moving forward for that 16-year-old year. And I don't remember his first name. Um, you'll help me here. Strathman. Um, Andrew Strathman. Andrew yeah. Strathman. Yeah. Okay, so here's a kid that kind of uh, bucked the odds. I mean, you, you got the Minnesota kids, like a like a Luca Middlestad, who said no to the program, which is like a, you know, how do you possibly say no? But there's reasons for those Minnesota kids saying no, they come back to Minnesota high school. Strathman was one of the first non-Minnesotans to say no to the program, but went in through tender. Do you see that as a potential trend, the people turning down the program uh, to just go, go, go to a choice, their choice of a USHL team? Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I think, obviously, the NTDP, you know, the history, they've done an amazing job at, you know, developing NHL prospects. And I think that 
that environment is not maybe built for everyone, right? And I think we've seen that with some Minnesota kids in the past. It just wasn't for them, and there's right. nothing wrong with that. And I think, I think down the road there might be a few kids where just, you know, being the one U15 player on a team, or U16 player on a team, and you kind of being the young guy that gets different opportunities might kind of entice some kids down the road. All right. Um, I got to ask the, the elephant in the room questions. As, a, as probably, I would say, the biggest – if I'm not the biggest pimp for Minnesota high school hockey, I'm I'm in the top five. Um, give me your take. Uh, we've spoken openly about Teddy, for example. He's a junior, and I'm not sure you can make your team or help your team or not help your team. But what? Give me your yeah, you and Matt's stance on high school Minnesota high school players and the before and after, for example. Or would you just rather have them play here? Give me your kind of your viewpoint on how that works because it's different. It seems like with every team, you get a different answer on that. So I'm just giving you a huge chance to knock that one out of the park. Yeah, for sure. I think I'm a huge fan of Minnesota high school hockey, which I'm not sure if everyone in our league is or not. Isn't that crazy? I, I, I a lot of yeah. the nerds, you, you, the our nerds, the yeah, high school hockey yeah. nerds, view the USHL as the enemy. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, and I and I sense that when I'm walking in rinks. I and bet stuff, you do. And, I, and I'm kind of like, no, I, this is great, guys. This is, I love it. Like, I think it's so cool. I think it's, you know, you think about the 95% of kids that don't play in our league and how cool it is for them to play in front of their, you know, classmates and everything else. Like, I'm, I'm one of the biggest advocates of Minnesota high school hockey. And I love our guys developing there as well. Okay, so walk through walk through the a scenario where you get a kid like like, and I hate to make this the Teddy Townsend show, but next year he'll have a choice to come and play because he's played in the elite league two years now. For sure, it's not really an avenue for him, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean he can play there three years, I'm, that'd be fine, but is before and after for a kid. A high-end high school kid. Take Teddy's name out of this. Is that a, is that something that you guys would entertain for 12 to 15 games before the season and 12, 15 games after the season? You know what? If you're, in my in my opinion, if you already know you're going back and you want to kind of do the before and after, like I think that's just unfair to the rest of the group that you're going to be playing over, you know, if you're taking a guy's spot. Now, if you're in a situation where you want to see kind of how it's going – and if it's going really well, you're open to staying. Then I, I think we, we're on board of kind of seeing that through. Right. And if things are going well, you know, you'll, you'll stay. But if maybe if you're struggling a little bit and it's a hard league to play in, right, yeah. then kind of leave that open door of going back. And I think that's something we're okay with. I, I just think it's it's tough when you're trying to build a winning team to have somebody that's already decided that they're coming for 12 games, leaving, and then, you know, like... Yeah, or whatever the number and is. And trust yeah. me, I, I'd love to do it from a development standpoint. And like I said, I got I think guys develop great in Minnesota high school, so if they could play some at our level and some at that, that'd be great. Like, I'd love it. I just think from the team dynamic, um, it's hard to build kind of a winning team, and it's unfair to some of the other guys in the room. Okay, got it. Good answer. I like it. Is that fair? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, 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 I just didn't want to, like... You know, completely skip by the question because yeah. we are talking about Minnesota, and and you you said some great stuff there about and, loving the model. And I think I think because I am such a fan of Minnesota high school hockey, if there's a guy that you know can make our team, but maybe isn't a prominent role, I'll usually tell him and say, "Hey, I think it's best for you to go back for your senior year, you know, and play more and be the guy, and then come to us." Because I think at every level, guys are in a rush to get different places, and they just need to master the level they're at first before kind of making that jump. 
Right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your your other day job. Um, and it's it's interesting. You're a, a, a teacher at Breakaway Academy. I'd love to hear what you do on a day-to-day love basis. Um, are you in skates 99% of the time? Are you uh, in the classroom? Are you – what's your role there? What do you do? Yeah, so I guess to start – like obviously when I kind of hopped into the director of scouting role, like I needed something else to do and breakaway Academy kind of popped up and it was kind of the perfect fit when you really think about it. Cause with the director of scouting, you know, you're in the rinks every night and on the weekends and then during the day you don't have much to do. Right. So it was, it was a perfect fit. And when I'm at breakaway, I, my skates are on, I'm uh, working with the kids on the ice, which I really enjoy. And I think it's just cool for me to kind of see the development from, you know, <laughs> a 10 year old to a 24 year old. And I kind of see that with both my jobs and just kind of studying different things on what makes kids tick and kind of the strides they take as they grow and get older. How many years, I'm just trying to pick out yeah. like where you are. Cause you yeah. said something before we started about you're really, you're harder on the breakaway kids of your scouting perspective because you know so much about them. We'll get to that in a second. How many, is this your second year or third year? Third year. So, so third year. Thing. So you've had two full yeah, class. academic yeah. year. So one was the crazy COVID fall, right? And then this is the snow. This is just third year. Yeah, so you had yeah. the crazy COVID fall last year, yeah. and then so this is the second normal yep. year, right? For sure. So okay, so some of these kids, if they were in eighth grade, would be like maybe in eleventh grade this year, right? Uh, yeah, sophomores this year. Yeah, eighth, yep. ninth. Yeah, okay, yeah. Sophomores this year. Sophomores yeah. this year. So, like, uh, junior, right? Junior was at the school, junior yep. protein, right? Yep. So that's that that class. Okay. All right, so um, does it help to meet these kids and know them, or does it hurt almost, like you, you said that? No, like, it, it definitely kind of helps, especially getting to build a relationship with them and kind of, you know, see their brain and see how they react to certain scenarios. I think it's extremely beneficial and it's it's hard because I want to take a lot of breakaway kids but <laughs> I know I kind of got to keep keep it separate a little bit and kind of take the kids I I evaluate the best so but it's fun tell me what in, in any given day is it uh skill development what what does a kid get at breakaway on the ice with you and who else who are the other trainers on the ice is Andy still doing it Andy pops out there time to time. I mean, he we, was like it yeah. when it first started. We got a we got a great staff. We got Nick Madsen. Yep. Who I played was with he a North. teammate of yours? Yep. Three years okay. at North Dakota. Um, he's a good buddy of mine. JP Lafontaine was a man. Oh, guy. he's really good. Yep. Kyle. And then he's Pat Lafontaine's nephew, right? Yep. 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 Kyle Pito played at Mankato. Um, Paul Ranheim. Paul Ranheim. Yep. Yep. So we got a, we got a great. How group. many of the kids at uh, breakaway know how great of a player he was. Do they know? I don't think as many as they should. Like, do you think it's like 10% or like 30%? I would think less than 30, and it should be. Really? should be 80. I had a, uh, it's very similar. I'm sure you get these moments a lot where he'll do something, he'll shoot a puck or do something. Yeah. People are like, he'll, their eyes yeah. will open yeah. up uh joe pancrantz the coach at at prior lake who was a one of the best players his age for forever played at the gophers and the, and the dub and he was coaching his team and someone fed him up a one-timer and he just 
bar down it. And the, one of the kids goes, oh, coach, that was pretty good. You playing your day? You know, one <laughs> yeah. of those moments. Yeah. And one of the other coaches is like, if you only knew how good he was, right. you right. know. A hundred percent. I love those life. kind of stories. Uh, so you guys work together. Is it is it skill development? Um, is it a lot of pep kind of stuff? Or what is it? What is it? The on ice is and how long is it? Is it an hour or is it an hour and a half? Yeah, so we're on the ice hour fifteen every day with each kind of group, and we kind of have a rotation of coaches that works out. So we each get to see kind of different kids at different times, and so kind of how the breakdown is is we got two days where we kind of do station work, skill development work. We'll sometimes have some pep stuff, not yep. all the time, just working on different like little you know shooting techniques or little moves, escape moves, and stuff like that. Um, Tuesdays we'll kind of do a small area competition. Uh, there's another day where we just play five on five. We get to coach a bench, which I, that's that's my favorite day because you kind of get a talk one on one with the kids and you know. Do they have different colored jerseys? How yep. does that work? Yeah, they got two red and red. Oh red. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all yep. right, home and away thing. Yep. So that's my favorite day because you kind of get to actually build those one on one relationships with the kids. And then Wednesdays is Kathleen Gazich power skating. Um, really? Yeah, and she's great, and I've learned a lot just kind of watching her kind of instruct the kids so it's i think it's a great setup and uh yeah i really like it how many hours are you on the ice um, did you do four sessions in a day yeah really yeah. and I, when it gets closer to the draft time like i'm you know i'm they're good about it i kind of take some time away and different things but in a normal week when i got nothing going on i i lace them up all right and then oh out of all the guys um, that you guys are on the ice with, um, do you learn every day from those guys as well? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think we all kind of have our areas of expertise a little bit, right? So I, I was never a great shooter. So listening to some of these guys teach shooting, I, I pick up things all the time. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's go talk moving forward for you. Like, uh, how long do you think you could be in this role? I mean, if you looked at, have you ever looked at Mike Hastings' uh, resume before? I, not recently. No, I can't. Have you ever I, looked at? No, it? I haven't. It's it'll blow you away how many years he spent as a coach GM. It was like ten or fifteen really? years. Yeah. It's, it's it's crazy. So like, my point is, it's it's not like yeah, I, I became the GM of the Waterloo Blackhawks when I was twenty nine, and then I was running the Canadians when I was thirty two. Like there's, yeah. it could be a long time for sure. And I think you also have to look at it. If you don't do your job, it could be a short time, right? <laughs> so I think uh, I can't think too far ahead right now um i still haven't built the winner in this league right so i think that's kind of the task at hand and thinking too far ahead at this point is kind of not really worth it i got it we got to um kind of see this out talk about that i mean i mean i mean it's kind of like baking a cake or making a soup or you know it really is i mean the formula you got to find the formula and you guys were maybe 500 last year yeah, I think we look a little bit below 500, but we kind of upset a team in the first round of the playoffs, which was good for especially our guys coming back to kind of have yeah. that feeling coming into this year. Um, but definitely trying to kind of take a step up this year and kind of climb the ladder with the other teams in the league. It's, I want you to just comment on this, What I what I what my observation. Um, it seems like the teams that, do really well are either super heavy skill wise like the Chicago's and they don't care how old they are or you get some of these teams that 
will get super old. Uh, where do you want? Where do you see the Blackhawks getting? And I mean, I'm seeing yeah. people win that Clark Cup. It's like, wow, that team was. They had a bunch of first rounders on their team, and then there's teams that were just kind of super old and and kind of just outworked and out aged, for lack of a better term, their competition. I'll experience them. I think this is going to sound like an easy answer, but somewhere right in the middle. You know that balance. I think we want to have those 16-, 17-year-old young guys that are up for the draft. We, we want to be a part of that and developing those guys. But I think we also want to have the, the three-year junior players that are, you know, going to be unbelievable players in college. And I think those guys help you win, and they kind of also help the young guy get to where you want him to get to. So I think – we want to have a balance of 20-year-olds with 16-year-old high-end guys and trying to find that right mix of, I guess, the blend. Like, I think when I look back to our successful teams at North Dakota, that's kind of what we had. Um, you know, we'd have 24-year-old seniors who were walk-ons, right, um, with Brock Besser. Um, and just seeing how that kind of connected, I guess, and I think that was one of the reasons we were so great that year is we had some older guys that – maybe weren't as talented. I'll include myself in that. Yeah. And, and with these, you know, young, you were the lunch paler. Yeah. With the young, true freshman guys, I think that combination works really well. And I think that's a little bit of what we're trying to create in Waterloo. Having two North Dakota guys, um, I will describe North Dakota's, uh, style of play as very aggressive, um, and fast, um, well coached, um and uh confident um are though are those things that you describe the Waterloo Blackhawks as moving forward absolutely yep but i think there's is there a, something i leave out an no, adjective let no, me let me think I, of other i think those are adjectives we want to be i think not only north dakota plays that way though i think there's a lot of schools that we could look at to try and emulate and like Duluth and St. Cloud and, and some of these other schools, I think they use those You've conveniently things. left Minnesota out every time. Oh, we, no. We've listed good schools. I love that, hey, by the we, way. We got some Minnesota guys. We got some guys going to Minnesota. We got Renzel and Teddy's going to end up yep. there. So, no, we're uh, we're all good with the Gophers. Uh, I, I know it not, not even on our list, but uh, I'd love to get your take. Did you watch any of the games uh, from this past weekend between Minnesota and North Dakota? Yeah, I actually went as a fan on Friday. So it was, oh, we were uh, both there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was uh, a tough one, but it was a great hockey game, and the atmosphere was so cool. It's great for college hockey. Yeah, uh, I had this. I had the same feeling. And uh, growing up, I told you this. I was growing up a Gopher fan. And I was with three other Gopher fans in my seats, and there were like three or four times. Got to be good friends with yeah. Brad Berry and and Dane Jackson and their staff. And there were like three or four times I'm like screaming at the refs. That's a terrible call. And my wife's like, "Aren't you a Gopher fan?" I'm like, "Yeah, but that's a terrible call." Yeah. And my point being is, it's just what you said. And and even after the crazy game on Saturday, I was kind of relieved that. North Dakota won because I didn't feel like either team deserved a sweep. I didn't feel like either team deserved to be swept for how well they both played. Yeah. And I got to ask you, I guess I like, I always was kind of the impression that go for crowds in the big 10 was kind of down as far as attendance wise, but they're like, that turnout was unbelievable. Has it been like that regularly? You or? know, it's funny. I'm glad you asked that. Uh, yeah, like the big 10 games are not like that. I mean, obviously North Dakota's the draw, yeah. um, but I think making a Frozen Four yeah. last year and close the couple years prior There's to that. There's some buzz there. Right, a little bit of buzz. And yep. then the students. I mean, you, whatever you say about the other 
eighty percent of the stands. The student section was amazing. Yeah. It's and every time I I went to UMD and I went to Mankato and, and anytime you get one of those WCHAers in the building, the student section is thumping. So sure. yeah, I think that that's it was part cool. is that part is back. Uh, the other eighty percent of the stands where the students aren't, it's a little bit sketchy, I think. And I think a lot of it has to do with rivalry. I mean, yeah. we could do an entire podcast on the WCHA, but I think as long as the, you you line up, you know, get, you know, home and homes with St. Cloud and you know, home and homes with U- UND and UMD and Mankato, the, you're going to get good crowds in there. But just and part of it's, I think part of it's like. Let's not kid ourselves. Most Minnesota fans know who Ryan Sandlin is. Yeah. You, you know what I'm yeah, saying, right? For sure. Everyone in Minnesota knows who Blake Biondi is when UMD comes to town or Neil Pionk. Or they know who these kids are, and it's a little trickier when you look at the roster for Ohio State and they have zero Minnesota kids on the roster. I right. mean, I track yeah. the Minnesota yeah. kids yeah. like like a fiend, right? And I love it. Uh, I, love, I love keeping track of that, but I think that's part of the – the uh, the the aura is the the number of Minnesota kids on these rosters. UMD, North Dakota. I mean, it's fun to see. I For think. Sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Last couple of questions here, just just to wrap up. You hit the hour mark. Wow. Now, by the way, you're you're a legend. Wow. Um, I just kind of go through the 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 process. Um, from from uh, from the draft process, I would love to. Uh, I put it on my bucket list. I'd like to be in an NHL draft room someday, or even a USHL draft room. I'd love to kind of just see how it all goes down. How does the board work for you? How many people on your staff um, when when the draft goes down that day? What what's going on in your head that day? Yeah, so I think last yeah a lot's going on in my, in right. my head that day. Um, but, you know, we start kind of early in the year. I think Buffalo um, at Select 15 camp is kind of where we, at least for that phase one draft, kind of kicks off. And we kind of start with a large player pool, right? I mean, U.S. in the U.S., hockey is everywhere now. Um, it's not like you just got to go to Minnesota, Chicago, Detroit, Boston, and you're good. Because, right. like, you got, there's L.A., there's Alaska, there's Florida. Like, you got to really <laughs> find guys everywhere. Um, so that player pool is huge. So we slowly kind of whittle it down, and by the end of it, we kind of have a list of 100 names with different tiers. Um, and my staff kind of helps me get there. And then 100 names for phase one or 100 names for both? 100 names for phase one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. All right. I mean, there's a lot of players. I mean, right have now. Have you ever had a guy – I uh, had another team draft a guy, and he's nowhere near your list of 100? Oh, yeah. It happens, especially in, in phase, phase one. Yeah, in phase it, two, yeah. I totally get it. Yeah, in phase one, because they're, every now and then there'll be a Canadian kid that you had no idea was looking this route or, you know, a kid in a weird market. Like, there's too many players. But like, I tell my staff, my scouting staff, that is – we're going to miss on guys. <laughs> like it's Especially when you threw out Alaska. Like – that's really hard to see. Yeah, and there's great hockey up there. Yeah. Um, like we're gonna miss on guys. Our our region is so big as long as we kind of nail what we're what we're taking, we're gonna be just fine. Right. Um so you go through do you is it a is it a sigh of relief when phase one is over? Or is it just like that's just like day one of a hockey tournament for me? Yeah, that's that. There's no relief there because uh, you got the phase two gauntlet the next day. I wish it'd be nice if there was a little bit more time in between because there's just a lot of work and prep work to be done. But as soon as phase one uh, is finished, you turn the page to phase two. Phase one would almost be easier in some ways, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 
absolutely it is. This one birth year, yep. right? And you kind of have your list at that point, and you're just kind of rolling through it. Um, phase two, you got to look at, you know, team needs for next year, team needs for two years down the road. And, yeah, there's a lot that goes into phase two, and it can get complicated. Who makes up your staff? Matt's not really involved in the draft, is he? Yeah, no, I have four scouts kind of from different areas. I got. Can um, you say who they are? Yeah, so okay. uh, Matt Grinda, he's from uh, Indiana. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know yeah, who he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. From, I've connected with him via yeah, social media. Yeah, yeah, he's in a ton of rinks. He's from Indy. Yep. Um, I got Justin Fraze. Um, he's actually from Manitoba. Really? Um, okay. So he's a, he was a guy. What city? From, uh, Rivers, Manitoba. All right. So he was a guy that I just saw was grinding, uh, doing some articles scouting wise, and I kind of invited him to to join our staff, um, and he's great. Um, and then I have uh, Jake Bennett, who's out east, so okay. he kind of handles the east for me. And then I actually just brought in a guy local from Waterloo, Iowa, who's always been a fan and has always kind of had a passion for scouting, and Jake Van Beesen. So he's joined us this year, and he's kind of learning the ropes as we go. Where does he go? Well, we, we like with those guys, I mean, hockey's everywhere now, so we do a ton of video work, right? And then we try and get them to a showcase here or there where they can see. So more of it's done online than it is. Well, for those guys, they do a lot of their work online, and then I try to kind of hit the showcases. So we talked about McInnes earlier, yeah. who you tendered. Who's, uh, I hate to use the word, who's, who's working the deal there? Who's, who's making the calls to find out if he's you interested in the USHL? Who's doing that? Yeah, I'm making the calls to you. You're know, doing all his, that. That's got to be a lot of dad. time and energy. Yeah, for sure. And now all these kids, you know, they have advisors, agents, and they kind of help through that process and putting you in touch with them and stuff. But um, So in a case like that, is that a call to the agent or a call to the, the family? Usually it's just easiest because you have relationships with some of these agents, on, especially a high-end kid like that who's already been recruited from the Western League. You know he has somebody kind of helping him, just saying, hey, is does this kid have interest in coming south and then kind of put that next call into the family? Yeah. And when do you decide, we talked a little bit about tendering, like in, in, in his case, how do you decide, hey, I want to nail, I want to get the, I want to go the tender. Is it a, is there a race? Yeah, I think sometimes it be, can become a race. Like a lot of the kids want to see through the NTDP tryout camp, right? So at least for the American kids, sometimes everyone's waiting to get that news and then kind of things happen after that. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. For sure. For the Canadian kids and some of the other, there's no know, such thing. There's no such thing. So it's kind of first one on them and sound them about your program. So you are doing some recruiting. A little bit, yeah. I love it. I love bit. it. I love it. Well, this has been a blast. Uh, did I leave anything out? I think I got you covered, right? Uh, no, yeah. I think we, uh, covered a lot we nailed it we nailed it well uh brent i appreciate your time uh for being on the show today and i look forward to seeing her on the rink sounds like a plan brent chiswick waterloo blackhawks mm -hmm.